Hello and welcome back to Paranormal Hotline. My name is Michael and I'm joined by Kaylee. Hello. And as usual, we'll be talking about spooky encounters, crazy cryptids and bastard Bigfoots. And I have <laughs> nice. a really cool I have a really cool story this week that actually relates back to an episode you did at the end of last year. Uh, you covered Port Lock and how basically the entire town was chased away by a very aggressive Bigfoot. Yeah, I love that episode. I really liked it. I thought it was a really cool topic. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you definitely should. But I bring it up because this is also a story of a Bigfoot, but this one's kind of non-aggressive. Oh, so it's not an Alaskan one then? Uh, it's British Columbia. It's close to it, but like, it's close to it, but not super close. Okay. Although I think it might be the difference between like here and Spain. <laughs> That's a big difference. I bring it up because like this episode's about Bigfoot as well, and a man who survived six days living with a family of them. Oh God. And his name was Albert Osman. Now, Albert's story doesn't have much in the way of evidence, as it was a long time ago before he... It was even longer, actually, before he even spoke about it. He said it took place in 1924, and he only began telling people about it in 1957, because after his initial attempts to tell people ended up with him being ridiculed and ostracized, he was kind of, like, wary of talking about it again. Yeah. That's totally fair. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, but he was a logger and a prospector and a hunter. So he was someone that was extremely adept at being out in the woods. And he was camping in the woods near Tobo Inlet in British Columbia, around 100 miles north of Vancouver. When he started to feel uneasy, he kept hearing rustling and movement in the woods around his camp. But it was never in one spot. So he began to worry that something was like stalking around the camp, trying to steal some of his food and supplies, like a bear or a wolf or something. So eventually he gets tired enough and he's getting ready to go to sleep and he was still uneasy so he got into his sleeping bag fully dressed with his rifle and his rucksack. He like he even said he left his boots on in case it came true. Oh so he God. could like do you know, like grab everything and run. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely still really jumpy, but eventually he did fall asleep like cradling his rifle basically. That's understandable. But the next thing he knew, his sleeping bag was pulled over his head and he couldn't see and he felt himself being lifted. Now, he couldn't really use the gun because he didn't know, like, what was happening. If he shot, like, an animal, would he fall? Where would he fall? What would he land on or anything? Yeah, yeah. But what would you even assume that is? I would just assume it's a person. Especially if they pulled it up over my head and took off with he me. He felt like he, he... He described it. He said he felt like he was... Like, he, someone had thrown his entire sleeping bag over a horse, but he said he was really confused because it was like the horse was moving sideways for what a horse would move. Oh, I getcha, yeah, yeah. So it's like a shoulder instead of a horse. Yeah, but it would it would have been massive, and he could feel, like, that it was cushioned, so he thought, like, it was a horse with, like, blankets and shit put over it. Could you imagine the... Because, like, obviously whatever it was had to sneak up on him. Could you just imagine, like, the Bigfoot kind of tiptoeing up to this guy as he's sleeping? The image of that is really <laughs> very scary. Very big tiptoes. Yeah, very, very big tiptoes. But, uh, like, he said he did try to escape it, but whatever was holding, like, the sleeping bag close was holding it close to the opening, kind of like you'd hold a bag to keep it from opening. Yeah. I don't know how better to describe it. But uh, from the motion, he figured he was, like, it must have been something massive because of the way it was walking. And he car- he was carried this way for three hours while hearing, like, weird noises and, like, loud tree branches being snapped and he felt himself getting thrown onto the ground. Now, he managed to open and mostly remove the sleeping bag yeah. before he found himself in the floor of a box canyon with four Sasquatches. Jesus. And, like, he still had his gun with him at this stage, yeah? 
He does, but the gun, he I'll get to that in a second, actually. I just need to describe this box canyon to you first. That's fair. Because it's important to realize why he was trapped. So it was basically... I have it written perfect. It was 20 acres total, and it was in the bottom of, like, a little valley. So the walls on either side and at the rear were pretty much sheer cliff face with one small opening at the front or the mouth of the valley, you'd say. Now, the opening was only about as loud... Like, I'd say it was... Judging by, like, the drawings and stuff I've seen, I'd say it was at most, like, 20 metres wide. Yeah. It doesn't leave a lot of room to get out. Now, he spent a lot of time... According to him, he spent a lot of time with these Bigfoots. He spent six days. So he has really detailed descriptions, and they're really cool. That's insane. So there was four Bigfoot there. There was two larger ones. Uh, he basically assumed they were the parents, judging by how they acted and also the size, and two smaller ones that he assumed would be their children. Now, he said the gender differences were really obvious, and some other big five sorry some other bigfoot sightings in the area do kind of back this up because the females are reported to have titties <laughs> also and this is kind of weird one report i read by a police officer who like said he's seen one of the females crossing a road this was about 20 30 years later he he, gave, he really focused on how he had a very human arse oh my god why like i get it's important to have every detail but why did he focus on the arse do you think that arse was like not hairy I was thinking that like a shaven arse. You know the way like human arses get hairy? Do Is it like the reverse for a Bigfoot? <laughs> Do they have like completely bald ass? Imagine just running off, like, running up, spanking Bigfoot quickly and then running away. <laughs> I was picturing like a monkey butt. You know the way sometimes they're, well most of the time their butts are like uh, not hairy. Some of them are disgusting looking though. <laughs> yeah. Some human butts are disgusting looking too though. But having been dumped on the floor, he got his first look at them. And he gave really good descriptions. So I have a clipping here I'm going to send you. You don't have to read it because I have it written down here, but it's just cool to see that this was actually in a newspaper. Oh, sweet. So he named the larger male the old man because he was like, it was the largest in the family of creatures. It was human in appearance and weighed around 700 to 800 pounds. Jeez. Uh, but he described it as having overly long arms and legs that were proportionally longer than a human beings, but fit the frame. It was covered all over with hair about four inches in length, ranging up to six inches. Only bare patches were around the eyes, palms of the hands and bottom of the feet, which were like dog's pads. I love the idea with a Bigfoot, like of a Bigfoot with beans. Yeah, that's pretty cute. <laughs> Wait, did it have uh, pads on its like toes? Uh, yeah. Oh wow, it's very strange. The forehead sloped back sharply and then rose. Muscular development was terrific with an extremely powerful shoulders and deep armpits. The palms of the hands were cupped in the form of a bowl and the fingernails were flat. Huh. Now the mother Bigfoot, or as Albert referred to her as the old woman, was short and weighed around was a little bit shorter and weighed around six hundred pounds, with the boy Bigfoot weighing three hundred roughly and the daughter only a hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> only a hundred and fifty. But uh as I said, like he was in there six days, so your first thought would be like, why didn't he fight them off or run away? So not only was the box canyon like fairly small compared to like an open area and it had like a 20 meter long exit yeah but 
they weren't easy like the walls weren't easily climbable they were like he could have if he had time but they would have noticed immediately like it wasn't something you could do subtly and the exit was blocked by the old man who guarded the entrance night and day although albert did once make it clear that it wasn't so much he was preventing albert from escaping which he was but it was also to keep animals out of the valley like whenever albert would get up and walk away the creature would growl at him but the second albert like backed up a bit he just lost all interest in albert now as you said they're like why didn't he just shoot him uh, he was afraid to use his gun because he had ammo for deer hunting i think it was like 0.330 or something or 33 yeah i don't really know ammo no me neither it was used for taking down like smallish deer it wasn't used for fighting off a family of eight men yeah you wouldn't really have that much and ammo in the gun either normally he said that he was afraid that even if he had managed to get a few shots off into the old man he couldn't finish him off and he actually made a really good point here that the creatures were more like a human being than an animal and although he was afraid he wouldn't have been able like as scared as he was he knew if he had to shoot it he would have felt really bad about killing something so human like yeah I can understand that uh, he actually went into detail about the family dynamics as well. So the old man would be guarding the Box Canyon and Albert, and it would keep a notch for like animals and maybe other people. But the the woman did all the work that Albert could see. No. Well, the children just seemed to kind of run around and amuse themselves. Yeah. He mentioned in one interview that the boy would grasp his feet with his hands and then run around hunched over. <laughs> what? And that the like he would grab his own feet and run on his feet. I've then. seen monkeys do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah but like this again was something like he report he was talking about in the 20s zoos wouldn't have been super commonplace especially in somewhere so remote as where he lived yeah, yeah. so the him seeing monkey behavior is actually kind of weird that's really cool like really cool though but the girl seemed to spend most of her time staring at him from the bushes like i've been there with weird kids one's always doing weird shit and one's always staring at you <laughs> yeah but like he gave details on what they ate and how they lived and it's all like fascinating even if they're kind of to be expected did he say what they so ate he said, yeah he said they ate shoots from conifer trees and some kind of sweet tasting root from the rock face of the valley walls now he actually got on really well with the kids so like he would he had snuff and if you don't know what snuff is because it's not super common anymore it's basically a dry tobacco that you chew and then spit out or as one old fella in town gave me one day it's like a powder you snort ew a brown powder not a white powder still that's nasty but like he was eating his snuff along with his rations he said every time like he went near the bag they'd all just be in troll like oh he's bringing out a new toy <laughs> so he didn't rob him like he uh like I think it was like day two he finished off a tin of snuff and the child like the boy was looking at him so he opened and closed the tin of snuff to show the boy how it worked and gave it to him and the child just went like ape shit it was <laughs> delighted with it pardon the pun the child went ape shit yeah. <laughs> like it, he said it first ran over to the sister and it was showing her how to do it then it ran over to the old man Aww. and it, this is important the old man has opened this snuff box and started licking the inside of it even though it was empty and that's where albert came up with his brilliant plan i'll get i'll get back to that but i want to finish talking about their <laughs> diet okay so um basically they ate like roots conifer tree shoots and stuff like that but like the boy traded him one of his like little trinkets for a root one day yeah so he tried the root and he said it was actually really sweet. It tasted like eating like a candy. Oh, that's really cool. I wonder what they were eating. Uh, he said he doesn't know. He hadn't seen the root before, but he was also in a pair of the mountains he hadn't been in before because he didn't know where the hell he was. Yeah, that's totally fair. 
but uh, he knew that he was clearly being kept there but they didn't really seem interested in hurting them and he actually kind of jo- half joked a few years later that he thinks they brought him up there to marry the daughter oh my god can you imagine <laughs> but he was basically free to move around the entire box canyon including when he went off to get some water from a stream in an undercut of the valley wall yeah like he was pretty much like they were like do what you want don't leave how sorry how big he, did you say the valley was 20 acres Jesus and there was no way of getting out it was like canyons was it yeah it was basically it was a box canyon and there was literally like only one small entrance Jesus I wonder if he's ever tried to go back there I doubt it because when you hear about how he got away okay like I would never want to go through the hell of getting to this place would you if it was you would you even try and get away I think I'd just stay there for as long as possible I don't want to clap Bigfoot cheeks. No, no, you don't have to clap cheeks. You just—I I just think it would be interesting, no? Yeah, but I'd—I'd I'd want to clap cheeks, cheeks eventually. It's just not with Jesus. Bigfoot. Okay, all right. So you couldn't stay there because you're too horny. <laughs> Pretty much. But like, mo- but, like um, if you—if you were caught nowadays, you'd have your camera and everything. You know, you'd be able to record the whole thing. Oh, I'd be teaching them TikTok dances. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Go on. But um. Like I said, like he kind of interacted with them pretty regularly. I mean, there wasn't much else for him to do. And while the old man always stood guard, the mother would go and gather supplies like roots, branches and grasses. He said they kind of like weaved some of the grasses together to make not even blankets, but just stuff to lie on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he said he was found, he he was like fascinated with how the mother would do it because she wouldn't do weaving as we know, but she'd put them in such an organized pile that when she lifted one, they'd all come up. I don't get how that would work. Do you ever see when people like put popsicle sticks all on top of each other? So if you flick one, they all kind of ripple. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that where they're not really weaved together, but they are like on top of each other in such a way they affect each other. Okay. Okay. I can't explain the ways of Bigfoot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Why are you a paranormal uh, investigator then? <laughs> to find him. <laughs> but the boy would get like as close as eight feet and watch everything he did because they seemed fascinated with him like i said every time he brought something new out of his bag they would be delighted and albert would like play with bits and pieces and he said once he made like kind of a ladle out of some scraps he had in his bag yeah and he gave it to the boy bigfoot and the boy bigfoot was just delighted and then he started signaling signaling and Albert said it took him a while to realize that what the child was trying to express to him was like I need one for my sister oh so he met another one and he literally said like the Bigfoot snatched it and ran over and gave it to his sister and they just started dancing around the valley with them for ages (laughs) that's pretty cute though but uh, the main thing they seemed to love was his t- uh, snuff tin. So as I said, like he gave it to the boy and they were playing open and close on it. And then he showed it to the old man who sniffed it and licked it. So on the fourth day, he gave them a box with, tea- with a teaspoon's worth of snuff in it. And the old man licked it all and just seemed to love it. And that's when Albert's plan finally started to come together. Because he realized that if he could get him to eat enough snuff, he might get sick or even die. Jesus and he wouldn't really Christ. feel bad about that because that would be the Bigfoot's own fault for eating it. Oh my God. <laughs> that's awful. So, on the sixth day, he managed to gather enough sticks and stuff. He was able to light a small fire using the label of like his tin cans and some branches and stuff. Yeah. So he managed to make a small fire and made a small tin of coffee. And he noticed that the smell seemed to draw the old man and the boy closer because the woman was off like coming back from foraging and the girl was hiding in the bush doing weird shit. Yeah. 
By the time the coffee was brewed, the woman had come back and he noticed the smell was bringing all of them closer. So he made a show of opening his snuff tin and putting some on his lips. And he was just really exaggerating it all until the old man came over, grabbed the snuff tin and ate all the snuff. Now, I actually feel bad for the Bigfoot here, to be honest, because he pulled an awful whitener. Oh, bless him. I know that's a local term. How would, how would you describe it? No, I don't know. I have no idea. Is there a word for okay, it? I, I, the best way I can describe it for people who don't understand Irish slang is a whitener is when, like, you t- let's say you take a pull on a cigarette and then suddenly that person goes completely pale and starts vomiting. <laughs> that would be a whitener. Yeah. But anyway, he started making weird noises and he Albert went into real detail here because he said he found it so human. Uh, the Bigfoot sat down on the ground and put his head between his legs and started making retching noises. Oh my God. Then he reached over to the cooling coffee can and downed it all, beans at like coffee grounds oh. and everything before running to the water. So the, like he started coughing and he sounded like he was dying, according to Albert. He was just like, this man is having an awful day. That's so bad. Uh, the others started getting feisty, so he made his break for it. The old lady started to chase him a bit, but he fired a shot into the air and she ran back inside the box canyon. He managed to get out of the canyon around three miles from where they were. Like he finally got up onto like out of the valley, basically. Yeah, yeah. It took him a very long time to figure out where he was. So... He didn't even figure it out properly. He just like, I need to keep going west because like by the coast, eventually I'll see water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I think it was like three or four days of traveling before he even got to somewhere he recognized. I think it was like 60 miles away. So he had to camp on the way back and make sure that each time he was on high ground so he could keep an eye out because he figured if they were chasing him, they would have to come and get him and he'd have no problem being able to shoot them if they were coming uphill towards Tim compared to like flat ground or like hiding in a tree or anything. Yeah. He just made sure everywhere he camped he would be able to see them because he still didn't want to kill them but he knew at this stage like I'm going to fucking kill them if they try and take me. I, uh, yeah, it's very strange. Why did they take him in the first place? I don't understand why they were keeping he him. He doesn't understand either. His joke was that like <laughs> the only reason they kept me around was to marry me off to their daughter. I, I, by the sounds of it, it sounds like they were going to eat him. Like they thought he was some sort of animal. And then when they got back, they were like, oh, shit, it's a small Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, he, they were just like, look at the size of this grub. It's huge. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, but I'm not sure. But uh, like the only reason he found like civilization again is he got a roughly idea. He was like, OK, if I keep going this way, I'm pretty sure I've been here before. Yeah. And he said he was in the woods and he heard this insane noise and he realized that after spending so long around the family where nobody was making any sound, it was an engine, something like a donkey engine or something. Yeah. Something used for cutting trees. And he was like, oh, great, there's loggers here. And he found them and he told them what happened to him. And they were just like, yeah, whatever. Sure, <laughs> we'll give you a lift. And he said after they like did that, he was going to tell the person giving him a lift back to like the nearest city or town what was going on. But he was just like, nobody will ever, ever believe me. That's totally fair. Yeah, I can understand why he would feel that way. I can, but like... You can't just take his word in it either. It's a story, though, that stood up to scrutiny for the most part. He was interrogated by sorry, interrogated by lawyers, reporters and police and never changed his story or changed it in a way that gave the impression he was lying. Yeah. Now, um, while he was making his escape, he was obviously in a panic, but he did actually manage to get some details on where exactly he was kept. Okay. 
and it's a pretty remote area and kind of hard to get to but if he was right about it then the Bigfoot carried him around 25 miles in 3 hours what? seriously? Uh, that doesn't sound right well to be fair like he thought he was on a horse so he must have been moving fast yeah but horses can't move that fast for 3 hours yeah but it's a Bigfoot he said the thing was basically pure muscle okay fair enough yeah, sure. Is that what does it for you? I don't Man know. Man lives a Bigfoot. 25 miles in I don't know, I don't know how, how a Bigfoot can move that fast. I don't think it's that fast. I can walk like a mile in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but this is like over a hilly Canadian... You know, it's not like you're walking on a road. I'm sorry, I, I'm just picturing... Do you know that video of the gorilla running on two legs? <laughs> yeah. That's how I'm picturing Bigfoot runs through the forest. <laughs> I have like a picture of a massive massive area where even this entire valley would be a pinprick on it so it's not really helpful you think a valley would be easy to spot especially from the air yeah uh, all I'm thinking well, is no, like no he did say he did say when he got out he realised like the valley wasn't in a low land it was more like a dent on top of a mountain kind of thing yeah well what I'm thinking is like cause like we don't know any much about Bigfoots at all obviously we don't know what where they live or how they hide from people so him being with ones for six days would be kind of a good insight into where they stay and yeah I know what you mean if we can find more valleys like the one he described you know would we find more of them that kind of thing <laughs> my new thought is do you know where I said she was weaving grass yeah. do you think like once helicopters started becoming a thing they just started putting the grass up as a, like a roof so you couldn't see it <laughs> maybe but that's what I'm saying like we never find weaves of grass you know never any trace yeah, that's fair. I it's do just want strange. it to be true. Yeah. I want it to be true so badly. I just like the idea of this, like, reverse Harry and the Henderson situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you think the possible causes of this are, other than he was actually abducted by a Bigfoot? Drugs. Hallucinations. <laughs> He's just literally, like, in his mushroom, like, in his little sleep bag one night, looks over and sees a mushroom. Ooh, what's this? Gone. <laughs> Wakes up, like, six days later in the woods, screaming about Bigfoot beside some lockers. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It just sounds a bit off somehow. But he does say that, like, by the time the story did gain a bit of attention, back in, like, the 50s and 60s, he said it had been, like, 30 years. Yeah. So if... So one thing that he, like, mentioned, he, that he thought about a lot and kind of made him sad, was the fact that there's a chance the two older ones would be dead now. And that, the Aww. like, if they are the end of a species, the last two Bigfoots left would be the boy and the girl. <laughs> and he's like, my biggest fear is that I've made them complacent around people and that they'll just walk out one day and get shot. Yeah, but if they get shot, then they'll be caught, you know? Then we'll know Bigfoots are you. <laughs> They're hardly no, the last like, uh, two Bigfoots ever because people see them all over the US and other places too. That's fair. But maybe it's like a specific group. A specific breed of Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, like we like breeds go out every day. <laughs> That's, you're so casual about that. Yeah, uh, breeds go out every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it something like a thousand species are extinct today? Oh, stop, that's really depressing. How many of those species were Bigfoot? I find it strange he didn't use his gun. I kind of get it though. Like, but like why poison the damn thing with snuff if you're not going to shoot it, you know? Because like, you're not going to die from snuff realistically. You're just going to get very sick. Yeah. So do you believe it? I don't know. 
I don't know. I felt like you. I felt like you were restraining yourself and just going, no, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, I want to believe it. I do want to believe it. I feel like even if I don't believe it, I do think it's a great story. It is. Yeah, it's a good story. There is some small things that bother me, like the fact, the thing with grabbing the feet and running, that's not something someone who's never seen a monkey would know that an ape-like creature would do. Yeah, but I I know kids who do that, you know. (laughs) What? You've never seen kids do that before? No. Grab their feet and then run? Kids do dumb shit. I was about to say, I've seen kids do some dumb shit. I've never seen them do some monkey business shit. Yeah, but like, kids nowadays are different, you know? Kids nowadays just want to sit around and play Fortnite. You know, when you don't have a PlayStation, <laughs> all you have is your feet. <laughs> what are you going to do? See, I think, I think I've had the closest experience to this that this man has had. Because <laughs> I said to you before, like, I used to babysit for a family with a shitload of kids and they lived in a black spot where there was no phone or internet. Yeah, we, we used to have no internet that's, where I lived. That's how it felt, though. Like, it felt like this man who was just trapped living with Sasquatch. <laughs> but yeah, guys, that's everything about Albert Osman and his amazing Bigfoot family. It's definitely a bit out there, but I'd love to know your opinion on it. And as always, you can always let us know, like, your opinion by email at paranormalhotlinepodcast at gmail.com or you can message us on Twitter at paranormalhl. Other than that, if you're a member of our Patreon, you can always just tell us on the Discord. Uh, like Kaylee said before we're always in there talking to people if you aren't a member but you'd like to help support the podcast you can always do so at patreon.com forward slash paranormal hotline and that's everything for this week's episode I hope you enjoyed it and have a good week Bye. bye